This is the Pro Channel Manager Podcast, episode number three. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. You're listening to the Pro Channel Manager Podcast, the only podcast in the world that shows you how to run a YouTube channel just like the pros. And here's your host. He's grown multiple YouTube channels by millions of subscribers and billions of views. And even though he speaks funny, we promise you he is speaking English, Tom Martin. <laughs> oh, that has got to be one of my all-time favorite YouTube videos in that Easter egg. And remember, if you want to find out what today's YouTube Easter egg is, if you can't work it out, you can visit Pro Channel Manager dot com forward slash episode three. That's the word episode number three, no dashes, no hyphens. And you'll also be able to find there everything about today's episode and also a detailed breakdown of everything that I'm going to be talking about today. And today I'm talking about something pretty interesting and something that is, I'd say, unknown to most people outside of the YouTube industry. And I know I touched upon this in our first episode, talking about what a professional YouTube channel manager is. But today I'm going to break down exactly what a professional YouTube channel manager actually does on a day-to-day basis. Now, I have been a professional YouTube channel manager in one form or another, and I've been running other people's channels nonstop since 2012. That's eight years worth of running other people's channels. And even though they have asked me to do different things, depending on the client, depending on the company that I was working for, there are trends and there are similar tasks that you'll be asked to carry out if you are either doing this already, and I'm hoping I can give you some tips to make your life a bit easier, or if this is something you are looking to get into. This could also be useful if you are thinking of hiring a YouTube channel manager so you know the type of work that they are expecting to take on. And it may even help you, for example, put together a job description. Before we jump into today's episode, though, I need to say a massive thank you to our sponsor, vidIQ, a tool that I have used for many years as a professional YouTube channel manager. And in all honesty, it's a tool that I could not have done my job as well without. So here's a quick word from our amazing sponsor, vidIQ. vidIQ is the secret weapon for every professional YouTube channel manager. Why? Because it has all of the amazing workflow and efficiency tools you need to save you time and effort, but there's more. It also has the most advanced YouTube SEO tools in the world, including an incredible keyword research tool that I use on every single video that I upload. I've been using vidIQ since way back in 2013, and without it, I simply would not have been able to generate the billions of YouTube views that I have. Fact. So if you want to get Ninja and start using the tools that the pros use, check out prochannelmanager.com forward slash vidIQ to get a free 30-day trial of one of their awesome paid plans. That's prochannelmanager.com forward slash vidIQ. And you can thank me later. So professional channel management, being a YouTube channel manager, running other people's channels is something that I've done for years and years and years. And it's something that I never really want to give up, no matter how my jobs or my career has changed. Even when I was head of department for a, a massive global media company, I was still launching and running tiny little channels, or at least they started off as tiny little channels 
on a weekly basis. Now, I wasn't spending all of my time every day doing it, but I still wanted to keep my hand in so that I never took my finger off the pulse and knew that my teams were doing everything as they should do and making sure that I knew as much as my teams in terms of new features, changes to the platform, changes to the algorithm. Of course, my processes and the environment has changed over the years, but the basic principles of channel management, the job hasn't really changed over that time too much. Even now I'm running a kind of small distribution business and I have my own channels where I'm still on the front line and I'm still getting good results for clients too. For example, I'm working on a channel at the moment. It's a a couple of years old, pretty stagnant. I'm three months in now. Revenues have grown significantly. Last month, we had the second best month ever for views, the best month ever for watch time. Suggestive views are going through the roof. All of the great things that you're looking to achieve as a channel manager. But what does the job of a channel manager actually entail? But today, I'm going to tell you exactly that. Just what does the work of a YouTube channel manager actually look like? I'm going to take you through and talk about what happens in a day, a week, the life of a channel manager. To sum up YouTube channel management in a professional sense, so not doing it for yourself, doing it for somebody else, the basic pitch is you make the video, we do everything else. And even though it might not be as black and white as that, it's generally the basis of what a professional channel manager does. As I said before, if you're interested in learning how to become and master professional channel management, check out prochannelmanager.com for more info on our training and our unique community of fellow professional channel managers. So what does the everything else actually entail? I've broken it down into eight key points. But before we dig into that, I want to talk very quickly about what I do before I take over any new channel or help a new channel, what I call the onboarding process. So before we touch any videos, before we take over, we need to know what we're working with. And there are three stages to this onboarding process. I'm only going to brush over them quickly because I'm probably going to have a separate episode where I talk about only this onboarding process. But I think it's important for you to know that you just can't start from day one messing with people's videos. You need to know what they've done so far. You need to have a strategy in place and you also need to know their current performance so you can track changes and how you've helped to grow the channel. So the first thing that I do before I start a new channel is an audit. I've got my own custom 75 point checklist, which goes over four main areas. So we're talking about channel tone, channel identity, channel and upload strategy, what kind of content are we uploading? Uh, And then we've got SEO and metadata, which is really important. Of course, there is the content itself. What does it look like? How does it sound? Is it optimized for watch time, session time? And then as a kind of bonus category, because I'm working more and more with kind of big media companies, what is their operational and monetization settings looking like? Once we've done this kind of audit, and as, as I say, I'll talk about the audit process in another episode, we now know exactly what needs to be done to bring this channel up to scratch, whether that's clicking a few buttons in the settings all the way through to overhauling their channel strategy. Once we have this, we've basically got a statement of work or a to-do list to get through before the channel is following best practice. Almost 100% of the time, one of the things that come up on that audit is that the channel is not following best practices in terms of metadata, and it's certainly not based on a keyword strategy. 
Now, keyword research is something that I think I've really pioneered over the last few years. And it's probably something that most channel managers are probably not doing. And the ones that are, are probably not doing it to a great standard. I've actually got a flagship course based on keyword research. So again, check that out, prochannelmanager.com. In its most basic essence, keyword research is finding out what people are searching for around your channel, around your niche, and then setting your titles, tags, and description based on the research that you've got. So you know exactly what people are searching for, the exact language in which they are searching, and the level of competition around that. And from that, we are going to build a copy and paste metadata system. And I'll touch on it a bit later as we talk through the upload process that you can use on all of your channel going forward. The third thing that we need to do before we get started working on any channel is to benchmark the analytics. How can we go into a client and show what we've achieved on their channel, report back to stakeholders if we don't know the state that it was in before we started? So I like to benchmark key things like average monthly views, average monthly subscribers, also things like what's the average view duration, what is the average view percentage, what is monthly revenue, stuff like that. So as you progress through your months working on the channel, you can say, we have grown watch time by a minute. We have grown revenues by 25% month on month, something like that. So that's the onboarding process in a nutshell. But now we're going to get our teeth into the actual nuts and bolts of what a channel manager does on a day-to-day basis. So the eight key tasks of a professional YouTube channel manager, number one is the physical upload. Sounds simple. You're just uploading a video, but it can be a lot more than hitting just a couple of buttons. Obviously, you know how to physically upload a video file, but invariably when you are working with someone who needs their channel managed, it may be a successful entrepreneur or thought leader, but most of the time when you're getting hired as a channel manager, it's going to be for some kind of media company that owns TV shows, cartoons, music, sports rights, something like that. And almost all of the time when you have someone especially the media companies that can afford to have a channel manager, that also means that they're likely to have their channel sitting inside of a CMS, a content management system. And this means there are a few more settings that you're going to need to set before you're good to publish or schedule a video. So things like usage policy, are you going to monetize, track, etc. The match policy, what do you do when someone uploads a copy of your video? Do you monetize it? Do you block it? Do you track it? Custom policies, are you going to have things blocked in certain countries, which is very, very common for media companies where they have kind of fragmented rights. And also you're likely going to have to have some kind of custom ID and admin around that. So the uploading and admin around a new upload can be very, very different for a professional channel manager compared to a channel manager working on their own channel. Number two is crafting titles for YouTube videos. Before I can explain this and the rest of my metadata tasks, I'm going to have to expand a bit on my keyword research system. So once I've keyword researched my niche and I know the kind of terms that I'm going to target, I'm going to build a three-layered system on which I build all of my metadata. And when I say metadata, I mean titles, tags, and descriptions. The first layer of metadata will be the broadest. That's the channel level metadata. And that is metadata that is applicable to every single video 
that you upload on the channel. And so it's the broadest kind of category-based keywords. The second is the category-based keywords. You could call them categories, you could call them like subtopics, sub-niches. Uh, so for example, if you had a tech channel, the category level of metadata might be based on whether the video is a news item or an unboxing or a review. So think about the way that your channel is split up into buckets and each of those buckets would be a category and each of those categories would have its own set of keywords and metadata. The third layer of metadata would be the video specific level. And these are keywords and pieces of copy that are specific to that video only. Because even though we're going to have lots of overlap in our metadata, we never want metadata that is 100% identical because this is going to be dinged by YouTube as spam. So remember this three-layered system when we are talking about titles, descriptions, and tags. So when I'm implementing this system for my titles, because I've already done the keyword research, much of the title is already going to be worked out and set in my upload defaults because we already know the channel level metadata for this is almost always going to be the name of the channel, which we put at the end of our YouTube title. The category, again, that's probably going to be already decided for us. So we can just copy and paste that into the middle of the title. And then we're going to write and craft a clickable hook at the start of the YouTube tile, because this is the part that's not going to be truncated. This is the part that's going to be front and center. And we want this to be keyword rich. So whatever we are targeting for that video, but it also needs to be applicable and appealing to humans. So they get clicked. This is just one of the many reasons that when I'm hiring a new channel manager, I'm always going to test their copywriting skills because no matter how much talent you've got as a technical person, if you can't write engaging copy that gets clicked and you have a good grasp of English and a good attention to detail, you are not going to make it in my eyes as a top level YouTube channel manager. So that's something that's really, really important to think about. And something that you can practice is your copywriting skills. The only exception to having to craft a great title is when you are working with maybe a full episode or a movie that already has its title given to it. You know, Rocky is Rocky. Star Wars is Star Wars. So you don't have to mess with that too much. And that makes your life so, so much easier. Moving on to job number three of a professional channel manager is crafting descriptions. Like the above, we are going to do a three-part structure and like the above, it must be well written for humans as well as for the machine or the YouTube algorithm. Again, copywriting is really, really key here. A few things that you will need to remember is that you never want to put links above the fold. Uh, and that's good for the algorithm because you want your keywords up top. And also for click-through rate reasons, because in the search results, you want to have a short description of the actual video, a short synopsis and not an indication that you're just going to be trying to link out to somebody else. Three-tiered structure as always. So you want that video-specific synopsis at the top. This is where the real copywriting comes in. Again, if you're working with movies, TV shows, it might be a synopsis that you can just copy and paste. You know, the synopsis of Edward Scissorhands is already written for you. Don't know why I came up with that example. So after that, you want to add in something to do with the category. So it might be, for example, 
again, if we go back to like a tech example, it might be that for more insert category here videos, click here for the playlist, something short and sweet. And then at the bottom, you want your upload defaults. So you might have links to subscribe. You might have links to a website. And I always suggest to a keyword rich kind of about section about your channel. One part of a channel manager's job, which is often overlooked, is curation. And descriptions provide a place to be able to curate your other videos. So you should be including links to other videos and playlists, especially in every single one of your descriptions. Speaking of curations, you also need to be entering in things like end cards, end screens and cards. These will always include a video element, but as part of the job of a professional channel manager, you'll also be expected to put other end screen elements in like subscribes and uh, calls to actions to go to websites. And you'll also be expected to insert cards where they're referenced at some point in the video. So a very important part of a channel manager's job, which I haven't broken down into more detail here. Moving on to job number four, and that is YouTube tags. And this is my time to get up on my soapbox and have a rant because I'm one of the few people out there that is still banging the drum for YouTube tags. I know that they still work. I have evidence that they still work. And if anything, they are working better for me today than they ever have eight years later. I don't have too much time to go into this, but if you want to learn more, again, ProChannelManager.com, or if you follow me anywhere, I've seen anywhere of my talks, read my book, then you will know that I still beat the drum on how important tags are. Even if you are of the opinion that tags are not important anymore, the fact that YouTube still provide a place for tags mean that you might as well do the best possible job that you can while you still have that option. Let's play devil's advocate. If YouTube ignore that box, then it's better to have done it and not need it than if it was important to have it filled and you've left it empty or done a subpar job. But if you are a channel manager that's working for me or working for one of my clients, you absolutely have to have your tag game wrong. Again, I'm using a free tiered system. Upload default tags that apply to every single video on the channel, then a set of channel default tags that apply to every single video in that category. And then I have video specific tags that I use. Only takes me a couple of minutes to add those. I just quickly log into vidIQ. Thank you for vidIQ for sponsoring us. And remember, you can get a free trial, one of their paid plans, by visiting prochannelmanager.com forward slash vidIQ. Yep, so I just quickly log into vidIQ, into the keyword tool, find a few video specific tags and just add them onto the bottom of my tag box. If you're using the system that I'm using, this is not a lot of hard work, which is really makes me scratch my head as why people are complaining about tags. Because if you do it right, it should only take you less than five minutes to tag your videos. Also, again, if you're using something like vidIQ, it's going to give you auto suggestions, which is going to make your job even easier. Next task that you are likely going to have at least some involvement in is thumbnail creation. Now, depending on who you're working for and the results that they've got available, that will determine how much involvement you have with creating thumbnails. Watch out for a future episode, episode number six 
with my good pal, Rob Wilson, who is the absolute guru when it comes to thumbnail optimization and making awesome thumbnails. Check that out if you haven't already. But if you have the skills already to be creating thumbnails from scratch using Canva, using Photoshop, whatever it is you're using, then you may be called upon to design those from scratch or at least be working with some kind of template. If you're working for a media channel, it may be that it might just be a screen grab with some kind of logo if you're you know, taking a shot of a TV episode, something like that. Or it may be just a screen grab with no logo. Or on the other end of the spectrum, it may be required of you to create a fully comped kind of Photoshop composition with text. If it is this latter composition, which is a lot more involved in a screen grab, then you may be asked to do it. Or again, depending on who you're working for, they may already have a designer or a design team that they have set aside to do this. But at the very least, you need to be feeding back on those thumbnails. Don't just sit passively and receive what you've got and use it. Because if you're receiving bad thumbnails, it's not doing justice to all of the hard work you're doing, optimizing everything else. Bad thumbnail equals bad click-through rate. Bad click-through rate equals bad results. And that looks bad on you. So you need to be constantly feeding back what text should we use? Why should we change the color? Why are we using this font? This is not clear on mobile. You need to be feeding back and be part of that thumbnail process. Because as I say, if you're not getting the results you need, you can't just sit back and passively blame the design team. Task number six is a really important one, but often one that is kind of brushed under the carpet, especially from a lot of agencies that I see, they're just using defaults. But this is monetization optimization. Now, I'm going to do a separate episode about monetization because there are lots and lots of ways that you can optimize your videos for maximum CPMs. But basically, as a channel manager, you will be responsible for making sure that correct ad formats are enabled, You'll be responsible for making sure that mid-rolls are enabled and also that those mid-rolls are optimized for positioning. That's going to be even more important now that mid-rolls have now been rolled out to videos of eight minutes, no longer 10 minutes. So you might have to go back and clean up some eight-minute videos. Ad optimization is one of the lowest hanging pieces of fruit for a new channel manager. If you come into a channel that already exists and have lots of videos, if their ads are not optimized, if you do nothing else, this ad optimization can move the needle in terms of revenues and you can look like a hero after just a few days. So make sure you are really, really taking note of that. And as I say, there will be a future episode just on monetization. So make sure you're subscribed in the podcast app of your choice. Other things to consider about monetization are that you may be asked to turn off ads for certain videos that are promotional in nature, or you might need to at least consider whether to tick the product placement box, which is in the advanced settings. All of these things will be your responsibility. Moving on to task number seven. For nerds like me, this is pretty easy, but this could be really challenging for some of you who are not used to this, and that's analytics and reporting. I'm just going to do a rough overview here because, again, this deserves its own episode. But one of your main duties will be reporting back on the performance of the channel using YouTube analytics data. This is likely going to be a monthly report that you need to do, if not, you know, fortnightly, 
maybe even weekly. But you also, especially if working in a media company, you'll be getting ad hoc requests all the time. Oh, can you tell me how many views this is getting in Canada? Oh, can you tell me what our CPM is in India? Can you tell me how many clicks we got on that latest video through to our landing page? So you're going to have to be prepared to know your way around analytics pretty well and often at the click of someone's fingers. And because you're going to be reporting this to multiple people, which is quite likely, especially in a corporate environment, you'll likely need to know the basics of at least Excel and PowerPoint or the kind of Google equivalents, whatever it may be, so that you can report back. And you may also be asked to present this to a wider audience in public. I know that we had many, many meetings where I was asked to present this face-to-face to stakeholders. So it's probably best to think about and work on brushing up on your public speaking and presenting skills. The final task, and maybe one of the most important, if you really want to show yourself to be an invaluable member of a YouTube team, is content feedback. This can be really difficult because, especially if you're not involved in the actual production process directly, because you could be potentially criticizing the work of others, maybe upsetting a few people, ruffling a few feathers, but you have to be honest. You have to give the feedback that is going to be best for the channel not best for the feelings of the creators. And this is invaluable to ensure that you're making the right type of content for the platform. Remember, you've been hired as the expert. You need to give objective feedback, whether that's feedback on the audio visual quality, whether that is feedback on the tone of the video, whether that is the amount of calls to action, the placement of calls to action, making sure you've got good interactivity in terms of cards and end screen. It's your job to explain what works specifically for YouTube or what works specifically for Facebook, what works specifically for Instagram, whatever it may be, especially for those creators and those in the production team that are not experienced in creating specifically for this medium. A lot of the time you're going to be working with people that are used to making corporate videos or videos for TV. And this is a very different platform. And you are the expert to guide them to make things that are platform specific. You also need to be taking the initiative and driving forward content strategy in terms of changes to upload schedule, upload frequency, length of video, stuff like that. These can be the easiest levers to pull in order to grow a channel Again, I'll probably likely dedicate a whole episode to this because it really is important. And you can go in and give some suggestions that get really, really quick wins and big results. Again, you can be invaluable to that company. There are some other potential duties that you could be taking on, such as more involved content ID work, editing of videos. A lot of companies like to combine an editor with a channel manager, and also maybe some paid promotions some paid YouTube ads. But these are all beyond the scope of this episode, and we'll likely cover those in a separate episode. One final thing that I need to mention, especially if you're going into the corporate world and you're previously been an independent creator, or you've been working for like other YouTubers, is that you're going into a corporate environment. And that can be very, very different. So you need to really think about not only things like office politics, but the etiquette of like meetings and showing up on time and being professional. There'll be different things expected of you 
than being just a straight up freelancer. So if you're going into that office environment, you really need to think about that. All of that was a very, very quick overview, and I will be releasing episodes on a lot of those individual tasks going forward. But I hope this is really an eye-opener for some of you. Again, whether you want to become a professional channel manager, whether you're looking to hire a professional channel manager, this is a real good idea of your key duties. Hope this has been eye-opening for you. For some people, they just might be curious as to what a channel manager does. It can be such a rewarding job. I've absolutely loved it. And as I say, even as I've been promoted throughout the years, I've kept my hands on the channels. I've been in the front lines because I find it really interesting. Like it's so rewarding to publish a video and see how well it does and learn from it. It's really, really important. It can also be a good revenue generator if you're doing it for clients. And you can also get great jobs in great companies that you want to work for. Even if being a channel manager is not your end goal, it can be a great foot in the door to get involved in the creative process with great media companies. Remember, you can find all of this advice summed up in a great tactical article by visiting prochannelmanager.com forward slash episode three. That's the word episode, the number three, no dashes, no hyphens. A huge, huge thank you to our incredible sponsor, vidIQ. And remember, you can get a free trial of one of their awesome paid plans by visiting prochannelmanager.com forward slash vidIQ. And I would not have been a successful YouTube channel manager if I had not been using that tool. And that is not an understatement. So I'm really honored to have those guys as a sponsor. If you found this useful and you want to know even more about becoming a pro channel manager, joining our community of pro channel managers and learning the in-depth tactics such as my keyword research system, please visit prochannelmanager.com where you'll find all of that. If you found this useful, please give it a rating and review inside of Apple Podcast and a star inside of Overcast, if you're like me and use Overcast. And please make sure you are subscribed in the podcast app of your choice so that you'll get all of those future episodes that I teased earlier. We're going to break down a lot of these steps into a lot more detail. Thanks for joining me on this episode. And until next time, keep uploading. Laters. Thanks for listening to the Pro Channel Manager Podcast. Happy uploading. And remember, next time you go to publish a video, ask yourself, what would Tom think? <laughs>